We are back with the Chopping It Up podcast, episode six. You guys, we have a real good show for y'all. I am, of course, your co-host, Chartel. And I'm Ferris up in this bitch. Yes. Hey. And hey. Look, look, let me tell y'all about our guest. He, I, I, don't, I can't even like say all the words that I want to say about him. So I'm going to let him good do dude, it. Like, Chris, let's do it. What's going on, y'all? Appreciate y'all having me on. Uh, my name is Chris Fahm. Um, I don't even know where to start. I mean, I do so many things, I guess, yes. uh, professionally. Uh, I'm an equity partner at a Fredrickson & Byron, large law firm in downtown Minneapolis. I do business litigation and uh, sports entertainment. Um, I'm an entrepreneur, co-owner and investor of uh, the Exchange and Alibi Lounge, uh, downtown Minneapolis as well. Mm. Um, you know, I curate events. I do merch, you know, raise kids. I'm a father. Yes, raising kids. Um, you know, and uh, I'm super ingrained in the community. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I'm sure uh, we'll dig into a little bit more as we. It sounds like this Gosh. is the perfect man I need to know if I get in look, trouble. I'm, I'm like, trying Chris, to tell man. you, like, look. <laughs> I need yeah. I he didn't say a, he was a DUI Lori Ferris. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was worried about last look, night. When we get into that. what we're going to talk about for Blase Blase, look. it's like, hey, I might, hey, Chris, I need your help, bro. Look, I'm yeah. trying to tell you. So, like, yes, yeah, speaking of your business ventures, exchange, the alibi and lounge, that should be popping. Yeah. We were there last night. Man, it was crazy. And me and Ferris looking crazy, crazy. Right <laughs> <laughs> after trying to survive. So, I guess my first question is like, how did that come to be? Co-owner, you said, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, when I was, uh, I would say six or seven years ago, I was at a different law firm and I was just, uh, you know, doing some business development, connecting with some folks, um, you know, soliciting, uh, you know, their, their their business for legal services. And one of my good friends, Dave, um, I've known him pretty much my whole life, mm. uh, like last 30 years or so. And um, he was like, you know, you should come on this this lunch with me. I'm going to, you know, pitch to do some financial advisement and planning stuff. Um, you can talk about what you're doing in the legal space. And so, you know, we did that. And, you know, uh, at the time they didn't have any uh, legal needs. Mm-hmm. But fast forward shortly after that, um, the family that I pitched to, they uh, they are super entrepreneurial. They owned you know, at one point owned like 35 Burger Kings in the Twin Cities, oh, you know, hotels, Denny's, all kinds of stuff. And um, also we're involved in the nightlife industry. And so. Um, you know, Club New York, which is the same space that we're in now, mm-hmm. they were getting ready to, you know, end their lease. And um, a group came together and said, hey, we want to open up a nightclub, you know, in that same space. Um, so approached me with the opportunity, asked if I wanted to get uh, involved and invest in it. Um, and that's how it came about. And we're getting ready to celebrate uh, our six year anniversary this August. Nice. Oh, so, I like that. Yeah. I like that. Yes, that, that's the yeah. bomb ass so, shit. So yeah, that's how that came about. Nice. All right. That's dope. Yeah, it is. Last um. One of the other times I was there, I had a friend say, did this used to be Club New York? And I have to be like, child, I don't know. Man, I'm new, so I don't it was know. Club New York. But it sounds like it was, yeah. I remember that shit when it was Fahrenheit. That's when I just turned 21. 20, so Fahrenheit, Fahrenheit was in a different space. So oh, I thought it was right there. No, nah, Fahrenheit was where is where Monarchy is right now. Mm. Oh, okay. So yeah, that no, used no, to be okay, Fahrenheit. Man. So, I mean, before Club New York, it was like... Element Nightclub, Foundation Nightclub. I mean, it's been like a, a venue stuff. for the last 30, 40 years down okay. there. Okay. So, yep. Because then, and then it was, it used to be Spin and Cream upstairs. Upstairs, yep, where the poorhouse is now that used to be that space. Man, that was a yeah. shit. I feel like yeah. I remember Cream. Them Cream days. Yeah. yeah. You might have came that. in at the tail end. I think I did. And then it was gone. Ago. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I think I remember it. Then, yeah, it was gone. Because it was gone and then it came back. For like a hot little second. Okay. Yeah. But people just <laughs> involved in that process. Oh, okay. It, 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 didn't, it didn't, you know, so 
after we had opened up the exchange, um, you know, we were just pretty much operating Fridays and Saturday nights. And so, you know, uh, the, the ownership group was like, hey, we want to do a hip hop Sunday. Mm. You know, so there's like, hey, you know, can you lead this charge? Mm-hmm. You know, and they're like, we want to open like April 4th, I think uh, it was like four or five years ago. And they gave me like a three week heads up. Damn. And so I was like, all right, you know, so I'm sitting at uh, Noodles and Company for lunch mm-hmm. and I'm just thinking and, you know, I like just start doodling on a napkin. I was like, you know, I want to call this this spot Cameo Nightclub. Okay. So okay. we completely rebranded it for another night because at that time we were doing mostly EDM shows on Fridays and Saturdays. Mm-hmm. And so to not cause any confusion. Um, we decided to launch Cameo Nightclub on Sundays geared towards the hip hop crowd, 18 plus. Um, and that, I mean, was extremely well. Like we were killing the game. Nice. Um, and then, you know, my my partners in the exchange, they're also uh, owners of the, the poorhouse. And okay. so they're like, hey, you know, wh- what else can we do with this? And so I developed a concept, you know, which would be, you know, unlike anything Minneapolis had had, which was, you know, Cameo downstairs and then Cream upstairs, Cream mm. UK. And the idea was to have, you know, just one big venue, like three levels or whatever. And like, you know, you can go in between the two. Right, right. Um, unfortunately, it didn't end up playing out the way that, you know, I conceptualized it. Um, you know, so ultimately both Cameo and Cream got shut down. A lot of stuff going on in the city, violence, shootings, you know, Man. that type of stuff. And so um, that that was uh, the end of that. So quick question, Chris, uh, like for, you know, you got up and coming people that are trying to do what you're doing, right? Like my homie Keese. Like, I know, you know who Keese is? Yeah. He's always throwing shit. Like, what kind of capital do people need if they want to do this, right? Mm. If they're trying to come up and they're like, dude, I want to throw some shit. I want to, or even kind of get in contact, move in that circle. Yep. Like, what do they need to get, get the ball rolling on that? Uh, man, it really just starts with the, the networking. You know, that's where it all starts. So, as I said earlier, you know, like the way I mean, got involved in the exchange in the first place was through, you know, networking and trying to, to build relationships and to, and to connect with people. Right. And all that, it didn't work out on the legal side. I mean, it worked out in, in a whole nother venture that I did not ever anticipate coming about. Right, right. You know, so for people who are invest, you know, interested in that, I mean, they, they got to get out there, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to be involved in the nightlife, you got to be in the nightlife. Facts. Sure. You know, and so, I, I mean, I often hear people approach and say, hey, I got this idea, can I get a night, this and that, and, you know, we're always open to, to people and their ideas and, you know, wanting to throw events and, you know, usually if it's somebody we don't have a pre-existing relationship with, we're not just going to, you know, be like, do hey, yeah, just go do your thing. You know, so like, <laughs> right. we'll, we'll implement certain, you know, terms, you know, to say, hey, to make this make financial sense, you know, we got to pay people to work here, security, mm-hmm. all but, that. So, you know, you're going to have to meet certain bar, you know, uh, beverage minimums, stuff like that. And, that you know, we, we get a contract out there. You okay. know, this is how it's going to work out. You know, usually you keep the door if you want to charge a cover. We'll keep, you know, everything else and, you know, just pretty much go from there. And then as you do more events and as you become more successful, there's other opportunities. Okay. Have you ever been like surprised by someone who comes up with this, like an idea and they're like, hey, I want to pitch this. I want this night. And then like they get like hella people show up. You're like, damn, okay. I wasn't even expecting this. You know, at all. yeah, there there definitely have been uh, occasions where, um, you know, people would reach out and say, hey, we just want to use this space. Um, and, and I don't know what to expect. And they usually have a ton of people come out and, mm-hmm. and that has absolutely happened. And, you know, then it's a recurring thing at mm-hmm. that point, you know, or like, Hey, you know, we've done business with them and that's what I'm experiencing right now. So obviously you guys know the pandemic, everything was mm-hmm. shut down. Yeah. And so now that things are opening up, I'm starting to get those messages like, Hey, you know, we've done some dope parties with y'all. <laughs> that makes sense. It's about that time. Well, you know, yeah, can I get, get on? Back back there. Out there. Yep. yep, exactly. So, I mean, just last week, I think I had like six or seven inquiries and people were like, yo, can we do something? Mm-hmm. I've had, 
you know, entrepreneurial high school students are like, yo, we missed our prom last year. Like, can we rent out the exchange and throw a dance? And, Damn. you know, yes. people, I mean, okay. people are, that's one thing that I would say was born out of this pandemic is entrepreneurialism. Like people are trying to figure out like, man, what can I do? Like For either sure. I don't have a job or I'm just sitting at home. I need to find ways to, you know, uh, leverage time and opportunity. And, and I've started to see a lot of that. Yeah, they actually said it was a study where it said that there's more black entrepreneurs in 2020 because of the COVID because of the stimulus, people were, they said like a lot of black folks were actually using their stimulus money to start something new, hmm. which is dope. Super dope. Man, right. and it's like, it's smart though. Mm-hmm. You know, invest in yourself. Like, Absolutely. Yeah. Like, Absolutely. That, I mean, that's when I started doing the merch was within yeah. the last year. And you that's know, what I want to ask about. Elevate yeah. Our Network. Yes. So please tell us about that. Yeah. So I started uh, Elevate Our Network uh, four years ago. It was January yeah. 2017. Mm. Um, and, and how that really came about was, you know, when I started uh, my legal profession, you know, I was often going to like these galas and these bar affinity events and these happy hours. And it was like, I'm in a full suit. It's mm-hmm. rigid. It's stiffy. I and, got you. Yep. You know, it, it wasn't uh, comfortable for me. Right. Because that's that's not my background. Right. You know, so I grew up in, in North Minneapolis. And so, okay. you know, okay, so me, you did. You grew up in North. Minneapolis. I grew up in North Minneapolis. Oh, North side. North side. Okay. Yes. North side. Gotcha. Um, North side pride. And so, you know, when I started going to these events, it was kind of like, you know, awkward for me. And, you know, as with anything with time, practice and patience, you know, I I figured out how to navigate those Mm -hmm. rooms. But, you know, at the same time, you know, I started wondering, like, why are there not events like this geared more towards professionals of color? For sure. Right. And so I decided, you know what, I want to create that space. You know, there's the void there. Right. So I'm going to create a space for professionals of color to have, you know, something to do on a weekly basis to connect with people because, you know, there are, you know, events geared towards professionals of color, but so often they're like, you know, once or twice a year, mm-hmm. summer social, winter event, For whatever. Sure. And it's like outside of that, how do you really connect and develop meaningful and sincere relationships seeing somebody twice a year? Exactly. Right. So, you know, it's it's a, it's something that I wanted to create where it's like, look, you don't have to come every week, but just know that we're here every week for, sure. for you know, in the event you want to come. And so started that and we started doing um, featured professionals. Okay. Mm. So what we would do is we would, you know, identify two professionals of color and, you know, just highlight them, you know, utilize social media platforms and say, you know, this is this individual, this is what they do, this is who they are. Um, and within like weeks, I mean, people are like, hey, how do I be featured? How do I do this? That's awesome. You know, because it's all free, yep. you know, so we're not, you know, charging people for advertising or marketing, Yeah. you know, and we weren't, there's no cover, obviously, we just mm-hmm. want people to come out and enjoy themselves. And so, Definitely. you know, quickly it, it grew into, um, us doing uh, more like specific industry events. So we'll do like a health and beauty series where we'll highlight, you know, professionals, um, you know, several professionals in that space. We did like uh, Minnesota Black Girls Rock, mm-hmm. you know, um, Distinguished Gentlemen. And so mm-hmm. these are all professionals of color providing people a platform, you know, new faces of entrepreneurs. And so we did that. Um, and it just got so big, you know, because we started in the Alibi Lounge, which is a much smaller space. I don't even okay. know if y'all have been in there. Well, that's when you come downstairs and you go to the right. right. Yeah, yeah. So that space is, you know, accommodates about dope. 120 it, people. It it's kind more of reminds me like a, it's like a, uh, it gives me that speakeasy vibe. That's exactly what the oh, vibe is. Yeah. Okay. More loungy, more speakeasy. Oh, has this, you know, okay. own bar and DJ booth over there. I've never been over there. Yeah, it's dope. yeah I'll give okay. you a tour next time you, yeah. you uh, come down. But that's where we started. Okay. And then, like, within six months, we were on the other side because it just it's grew, so big. It just, you know, grew so big. Yeah. You know, so that's, I mean, that's really how it started. You know, that was the foundation of it. I keep getting these questions based off of what you're saying, because that's dope. And like, so were your parents, were they entrepreneurs? Like, what what did your parents do? Because like, are you, because some people are just born a hustler and others, they 
they see their parents doing it and they're like, oh, well, you know, they're this taught, is this is what you need to do. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, you know, I would say 50-50. Um, so both of my parents uh, were immigrants who came from Vietnam at the end of the 70s, uh, tail end of the Vietnam War, uh, came to, to California. They met and almost immediately, you know, they first had my uh, my sister, who's one year older than I am. Okay. And then, you know, I was born in, and we moved to North Carolina for like three seconds and then okay. <laughs> ended up in Minneapolis. Um and, you know, by the time I was in fourth or fifth grade, uh, my dad had left the picture. He actually, okay. like, had gotten married and had two kids in another mm. country, oh, wow. you know, before he even divorced my mom. And, gotcha. you know, okay. uh, I think a lot of times people think, you know, now I'm going to be in a broken home, single parent household. Like, mm -hmm. you know, when he left, I mean, he completely left. Things. Like, he did not okay. contribute financially. I just didn't hear from him. He, Damn. like, ghost. Right. Damn. I, yeah. I know they had to have some effect, but keep going. Yeah. You know, no, yeah. And I think a lot of people think, you know, that, damn, this is damaging or traumatic or whatever. Mm -hmm. But for me, it was actually like a breath of fresh air. Really? And oh. the reason why that was is because like, you know, my dad was super abusive to my mom, mm -hmm. mentally, emotionally, physically. Like I've seen her put him in, I've uh, seen him put her in the hospital, damn. like just crazy stuff. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, seeing all that as a young kid, like it really forced me to kind of, um, you know, man up. Right. Cause mm -hmm. it's just my sister and, and my mom and I. And so, you know, with that, it was always like, feeling like I had to be a provider. Okay. Right? I had to take care of stuff. I had to be the You're strong You're the man one. of the house. The man of the house. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so, you know, my dad was the perfect role model of how not to be as a man, I you know, that. actually. But what mm -hmm. came out of that is, you know, so my mom, she's not the type to ask for help. Right. Okay. And so, like, I mean, she she did it all on her own. You know, she uh, worked, started working three jobs, mm -hmm. um, you mm -hmm. know, just to provide, you know, put yeah. a, a roof over our heads, food on the table, clothes on her back. And just seeing like the grit and grind and the hard work, you know, of her perseverance, you know, kind of like really, you know, urged me to be like, hey, like, you know, it doesn't matter, you know, what our upbringing is, how we're born, where we're, what we're born into, you know, it's like we all have the same 24 hours in, in a day. It's just um, what you're going to do with yeah, it. Yeah, what are you going to okay. do with it? If you want to get it out the mud, get it out the mud. Yeah, yeah shout know? out to Chris's mama. Look, over shout there. out, Mama Fam. Yes. Mama. I just <laughs> could talk to you all day. You're just delightful. <laughs> So, so many questions. Before we dive into like our interview questions, right? Yep. In our um, segment, which is um, titled Asian Hate and Black Lives Matter. Mm -hmm. I just want to name that you said elevate our network. There's no cost. You come if you want. There's mm -hmm. like these features. I love that because so many times I think cost prevents people of color from being elevated in that way. Yeah. Right. You know, you have oh, to easily. pay to like. Easily. I'm making stuff up, but you have to pay to be part of Forbes, whatever. I'm right, making right, all this right, stuff right. up, right? right. Pay to, to get, play. Like, you got to pay to play, right? Yep. So I think that's such an important feature. And I just want to like name it because yeah. so many times it's like, okay, what do I have? What do I have to give you to like be, you know, elevated so people can know? And you're like, nothing. Just come if you yeah, want you to. Just come. Like, yep. And you get it. So yeah, absolutely. That's the I thing. I just love that. I think you that's know? a, I think that's not to cut you off. I think that's no, like no. beautiful because it's like, yeah, it's it's free, right? So yep. you're letting people, you know, come as you are, come mm -hmm. with whatever you have, and then you're giving that platform, right? Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the day, it's like, all right, so you have, you know, these people coming in. It's like, all right, so I got you in for free, right? Now, what it, you not, gonna now, give yeah, me? Exactly. Like, right. I mean, I'm not saying that that's what you're yeah. looking for, but I'm just saying it's like, all right, at the end of the day, now I that I brought in, like, exactly. At least for black people, I think that's what it is. Yeah, I they're, they're like, all right, so if I come in for free, yeah, like, what are you? Like, what do you have hanging over my head? Yeah, I think that's yeah, what yeah. people be worried right, about. Right, yeah. yeah. Like, look, always looking over my shoulder, right? Like, you did this for you, so when when are you going to want your favor back? Exactly. Right, and that's, and that's you know, I think a lot of times when people think about networking, that's the the, the approach, and that's mm -hmm. completely wrong. Yep. 
You know, so right. my approach to networking was never, where's my next client? Mm. You know, I'm a lawyer. Where's my next client? Where's my next case? You know, my approach had always been, who can I help and how can I help? Love that. Right. You know, so mm. as, as a lawyer at a large law firm, I know that, you know, nine times out of 10, I'm not going to get a client, you know, from the networking events that I host. Okay. Gotcha. You know, um, part of the reason, as I said, you know, was to fill a void and what, you know, kind of solidified um, the approach that I had short, like about six months after I started Elevate Our Network, I was sitting on this diversity in business panel uh, in downtown Minneapolis, room with like 150, you know, professionals, mostly white folks. And, you know, the idea, the whole discussion was based around a study that was done by the St. Thomas University uh, uh, School of Business. Mm. And they had surveyed 1,200 professionals of color and they wanted to know why is it so hard for the Twin Cities to retain professionals of Ooh, color, particularly transplants? Go ahead. I read yeah, the same so that one. Study, right? I get it. Yes. So I sat on this panel and, yep. you know, two major findings that really stood out to me. One was of the, the people surveyed, over 50 percent said outside of my immediate employer, I don't meet anybody else. No connection. So if I work at Target, I know all the blacks, Latinas, Asians, Hispanics, everybody that works at Target, yes. but I'm not meeting people from Best Buy or exactly. Cargill or 3M. And so yep. that told me like they're, they're siloed, mm -hmm. you know, it's just like right. within this, this small community exactly. at Target. Um, the other finding was that over 50% said there just ain't nothing for us to do mm -hmm. outside of Socially, your one right? concert yes. or comedy shows. Like yes. there's no space for us, nothing. Mm -hmm. you know? And so I, I stood in front of this room and I said, nah, that's, that's wrong. I created this space like six that. months ago, Yep. you know? So they're like, well, well, what is that space and what is it? And how does that work? You know? And I told them, I was like, this is what elevate at that time. It was called elevate your network. Okay. And I actually changed it to our network because I wanted to be inclusive. I love you that. know, it's of about course. us, of course. Yes. you know, it's like, we're, this is our network. Right. You know, and I kind of adopted that from, you know, what I learned being a lawyer, mm -hmm. you know, there's there's this the boys club. Mm -hmm. Right. You think about it. Mm -hmm. Old white men, yep. you know, who are sitting on top of their ivory towers. That's it. Looking and, down you know, on all of us. Like, yeah. And, you know, they're passing business to each other. They got a business model that works. Right. And so I'm like, I don't need to reinvent the wheel. Mm -hmm. You know, I, that model does work, but I want to do it for our network I and for it. my people yeah. and for our professionals. Right. Mm. And so that's why I started the networking thing. It was like, look, just come in like there's. It's, it's low stress environments. Exactly. It's informal, you know. I got, I got a question for you, man. Because <laughs> Chartel was going to give me hell for always trying to change the goddamn name of our podcast, right? So, Fierce how, complain, I mean, that's why. <laughs> because it's like, you have to have that pop, right? You have to have, yep. you know what I mean? So, how long did it take you to come up with Elevate? Uh, Elevate. Or was it a different, because you said it, it was already a different name. No, it was, at, so it was, at Ele first it was Elevate Your, your Network. Right. And then it just changed to Elevate Our Network. And it, so it, from the beginning, it was Elevate Your Network, and yep. then it went to, okay. So, so I didn't know you if you had something like that? different. Exactly. You know, uh, I literally just sat down again, you know, just with some paper, and mm -hmm. I just thought about, you know, why do people network? What is the whole concept of it, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, you hear about it all the time, you know, like started from the bottom, now we hear, yeah. you know, and everything you do in life is to elevate, whether that's financially, professionally, personally, like everybody wants to get to a better place from where they're at. Yes. You know, it's not it's not where you start, it's how you finish, mm -hmm. right? And so, I mean, that mantra, that name just filled that, you know, all yeah. in one word, you know, mm -hmm. so. That's dope. Okay, I love that. Oh, you you're so it? inspiring. Yeah, no, I like I legitimately mean, love it. Man, so. and it, yeah. Like real talk, I was really excited to get you on here, man. Just from the vibe that you give off, you know, because once you meet people, you know, like, all right, this is cool motherfucker, right? Yeah. Um, I have like three new friends. 
because based of off of that exactly yeah, yeah. Like, like, that's that's cool yeah. Down there. like three that's, new friends uh, like man. i love it so. that's the thing because i think when yeah. people hear about networking they're like there's a stigma it's like i don't know how to network i'm socially awkward i'm shy take, whatever right? yeah i mean but that's it's when when i speak to primarily high school students and they mm-hmm. and i talk about network i'm like look before you met your bff or your significant other, y'all was complete strangers. Exactly. Y'all were y'all didn't know each other. That's true. How did you develop that friendship or that relationship? Mm-hmm. Networking is no different. Mm-hmm. You connect with people. You I chop it up, of yes. course. Right? Yes. What are we doing? Yep. You get to know them. You yep. figure out, you know, what what your interests are, and it grows from there. Yes. You just be your genuine, authentic self, and and you know that's really all it is. Mm-hmm. And you know, I got I testimonies for days about you know elevate our network. Like I've, you know, people that I've met three or four years ago and mm-hmm. now I'm actually working with them as a lawyer and yeah. you know they're entrepreneurs and I'm helping them grow and I, that's yes. the whole point of Elevate right mm-hmm. you got an idea you got a vision look how it. do we execute it how do we get you to that that, that place you want to get to exactly so, so the, the lawyer the entrepreneur king of networking like what entrepreneur did you look up to when you were young you know I'd or say, even now uh, Jay-Z really? oh, Jay-Z okay. yeah you know that's boss that's, that's somebody I mean what he's doing is amazing, right? Mm-hmm. So, and, you know, it was his perseverance that was really inspiring, mm-hmm. yeah. right? I mean, he had a talent. He was confident in his talent. That's right. Nobody gave him a shot. Mm-hmm. Well, fuck it. Yeah. I'll figure out my own, own way. Shit. Exactly. Right. If you don't, if you don't, you know, allow me on this path, I'm going to dig and build my own path. Title. Exactly. Right. Like this man makes title. That's what so he does. Good. And now look at him. You man, know, and that's the thing. Like, shit. him. And that's the thing. And like in the process, you know, while he's elevating, mm-hmm. right, he's reaching back while he climbs. He's yeah. giving others opportunities. That's exactly right. You know, and, and providing a platform for others to succeed. Like, you know, with the whole title thing, mm-hmm. you know, it wasn't just like, I'm going to go in and, and do this thing with title and make a, bu- a bunch of money. It was like, nah, Drake, you know, Nikki, Wayne, whoever, like, were those investors with him, man, they all cashed out. All it wasn't just me, 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 just right. Jay-Z. Right. Mm-hmm. It was like, yo, man, my team. And he's always like that, though, because... He did the NFL thing with Kaepernick, yep. you know, where he went in and made sure that the uh, Super Bowl was more diverse. The yep. Super Bowl uh, halftime performance, you know, yep. he helped. Uh, what's my man? Uh, Twenty One Savage. Mm-hmm. Like he was getting ready oh, to get deported. Was, yeah, deported, yeah. yeah. And, and my man came in he with his have been top lying flight about lawyers. What did he say? Lying from being yeah. Atlanta, he shouldn't have been doing that shit. Right. So that sounds like well, karma to me. Well, but I feel <laughs> like he, so he came team. from Europe. Yes, from Britain, right? From Britain, yeah, from yes. London. But I feel like, I mean, he's lived here for a minute. He just never got that status. But he was lying about that shit. You knew what's up. <laughs> right, right, right. But I'm glad Jay-Z helped but, him. Yeah, but that's I mean, the point. The point is that Jay-Z's looking out for you. Man, right? I mean, he is, he is. He, and that's what he does. Like, when he gets into those positions where he can, he, he does. does. Like, when, when he yeah. was the president of Def Jam, like, it's my understanding DMX had owned the company, like, millions and millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Jay-Z got into that role. And even though him and, and, and DMX had some issues, whatever, all that shit aside, he, like... Wiped off all his debt, wrote it all off. That's what's up for the rest in yeah. peace, DMX. But like that's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Like right. you know, when he when he gets in these positions, that's what's up. Um, to succeed, you know, like he's making sure, like yo, I'm bringing as Everyone's many people eating. as I yep. can with exactly. me because that's the whole point, right? right? I mean, and not like this holding something over your head, or you got to give me something for me to help you, right? Which I think has again historically can be found in our community, right? Yep. Like yeah, quid pro quo. I mean, that's mm-hmm. people are always thinking like, I do this for you. What are you gonna do for me? Exactly. But when you know. Can, just do it to help someone. Right. And that's the thing. Like, and even when you just do that, the universe will conspire yep. to help you. Right. Agreed. So if I help you today, 
I'm not going to ask you tomorrow, like, you know, what are you going to do for me? Mm -hmm. But in 10 years from now, yeah. you're going to be in a position where I don't even know. And you're helping me out. There you go. Facts. You know, and that's and that's really how it works. You know, yep. you just put up, you know, put out enough good energy and vibes, man. Like, and you get it and back. That's, you get it back tenfold. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. that's absolutely right. We had um, last week we had our guests on um, Amber from Turner Girl Cosmetics and Tier with Get Healthy, Get Healthy Tea. And they said the same thing, mm -hmm. like. Like Amber's like, she, you know, does cosmetics. So she's like, I'm not about to like not help you do what I do. Like, right. I'm probably not gonna tell you everything, everything right? Exactly. But right. I'm gonna help you like make look, I'm gonna tell you how I got to where I am. I'm not gonna hold these secrets, right? Yep. And Tierra said the same thing, because what do we benefit from that? Right. So I think we have to like change that narrative exactly like it's the crabs in the barrel mentality. Too yes. many people had it. Yes. It's like you feel like to get out this bucket, you got to pull somebody else somebody down, down, or you got to stand on somebody's yes. shoulders to get ahead of them. But yep. that's in, in the reality, everybody's standing in a bucket. That's it. Everybody's standing. You know, and that's the thing. Like, you know, as a, uh, a lawyer, I am one of very, 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 very few, you know, attorneys of color mm -hmm. at my firm. I mean, this is a problem nationally, not mm -hmm. just in the Twin Cities, you know. And, you know, one of the things that I'm super interested in is like, look, I want to help mentor and develop, you know, those up and coming law students of color, other diverse attorneys. Representation matters. And we need a critical mass. Like Agreed. that's, you know, and like. For me to to become a, a shareholder, my firm become a partner, a firm. That's you know, as that's one huge. of my partners, well, that's rarefied air. Some big shit, right? I mean, like that's like one percent. Yes. You know, so. Oh, gosh. But because I've navigated, you know, the landmines, the unwritten rules, and had to deal with the bullshit and figure it out, man, I you best believe I'm gonna share that same wisdom with yes. everybody else coming through them doors. Like, look, this is how I got here. It might be the same path for you. It might be different, but however I can help. I want to help. And you said you said you you were in grad school in 04 to 06, right? Yep, out in California. So what did that class makeup look like? Like mm -hmm. the diversity wise cuz were you the question. only person yep. of color in there? Uh you know, I was in, in that cohort I was. Um so, you know, that's when I was growing up, what I realized like as I matriculated and went further and further in school, I saw fewer and fewer people who looked like me. Mm -hmm. You know, from you know, grade school to high school and then even college, right? And then yep. especially in grad school. And I once bet. I got to law school, man, I didn't fit in at all. Yeah. Like I was showing up to class, sweats and Tims and Jordans and, you know, people <laughs> yeah, looked at me Tim's like, <laughs> it was like, uh, who is Chris this person? Like, does he belong right. here? And that's exactly what it was like. And, you know, by the time I got to my last year of law school, I did this uh, research uh, project with one of my buddies and it was, you know, looking at diversity in the legal profession, mm, and the, mm -hmm. the 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 metrics were terrible. Really, and I was like, Sh like the, the profession fuck did I get myself into? Yeah, mm -hmm. like this mm -hmm. this isn't this wasn't built for us. Damn, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And so, man, I, I'm trying to I'm trying to break those barriers. I'm trying to knock down those obstacles, and I cannot you know, with that's, you. I'm obsessed. You strictly I'm obsessed. defense? Uh, no, I do business litigation and sports entertainment. Okay. Oh, okay. Sports yep. So sports okay. entertainment, that's a, a practice group that I helped launch within my firm two years ago. Oh, okay. Is It was a way for me to intersect my passion with my practice, right? right so right, I right. love sports. I love music. And while I've been litigating for the last 11 years, it was like, you know, I want to be able to work with the people I want to work with, mm -hmm. right? And so I was like, and I can relate and, you know, they can relate with me. So mm -hmm. like when I go to client meetings with professional NBA players, yes. I get to wear, you know, hoodies and yeah, sneakers because yeah. that's what they're going to be yeah, wearing. So you ain't got to show up in a whole suit and tie. That's exactly and right. right. Look, introduce your girl to somebody because like, <laughs> I'm just saying, Yo you know, I can like, Man, you know, you I can like show up to places. So you let me know, child. You know Chris's like, response? You <laughs> bring your ass to exchange. Look, that's what my ass be at. You so find I somebody there. I got to stop drinking them gin and They got a lot of beautiful people up in that place. I don't know what you got with them gin and tonics, but them shit's got some erasure. Man, it's a two for one. 
ones. That's because you started early. Look, I, and then I'm, I'm like a self-victim because later I'm like, oh, no, I don't know what happened. Bitch, you've been drinking all fucking no, no. night. Like, that's what happened. You see <laughs> Men in Black when they got that fucking that's neurologic what the, shit? That's what the drinks yeah, are. Ass that's me. what the drinks are. That's me. That's why I woke up this morning. I was like, hmm, what day is it today? Um, okay, I'll be showing up. Make sure you bring out your, like, fancy friends, too. Hey, hey um, come out and support. I have a question about kids. So my friends, my lady friends, and I talk about this, right? In terms of like raising children. I don't have any kids. I have two dogs. And some people will say like, my kids like will go through the trials and tribulations that I had to, for I don't think another reason other than like, just, just because just I because. had to do it, right? Exactly, exactly. And so my friends and I have a different perspective and like, no, we reached where we are to make it easier for our kids. So Absolutely. when you talk about like, you know, helping like high school kids and like law students and stuff, giving them this insight and this information so it's not so hard for them or maybe hard in different ways. Yep. As a father, is that kind of your same perspective? Is, is it like I paved the way for my kids? So oh, hopefully absolutely. they won't have to struggle in this way that I did. Mm. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, That's a good question. So mm-hmm. I got three kids mm-hmm. and they are absolutely my why. Love it. You know what I'm saying? It's like mm-hmm. all the bullshit that I experienced in my upbringing, like I never want that for yeah. my kids, right? So. Mm-hmm. You know, I had my my first son when I was in law school, second mm-hmm. year of law school. Okay. Damn. Then I had my second son in my third year of law school. They're a year and a day apart. I okay. Heard okay. That. My so, sister and I are fourteen months apart. So, yeah, so my I sister and I are as well. Really? Yeah. So okay, like when I sat for the bar exam, I had an eighteen month old and six month old at home. Like, focus. I have <laughs> no idea how I did it. Like you talk about blacking out at men in black. Like I don't even. I couldn't even I, tell you. you look, know I know how that bar exam is no joke. Like, right. And you got a whole family at home. That's <laughs> man. So like once I got through that. Even though I don't remember how it, I mm-hmm. even was able to accomplish that, I was like, there's no looking back. Like, I, go. I got miles to feed, and, mm-hmm. you know, I want my kids to have a better everything than that. I've ever had. And so, I mean, Which that I legacy, that's, that's, why we, that's why we hustle and grind and do what yep. we do. Exactly. You know? How did you find yourself in the legal profession? Like, Man, by default. Shut up. Y'all won't even, man. So Shut up. Growing up, my mom was like, you're going to be a doctor. Okay. You're going to be a doctor. Mm-hmm. And, I, you know, that's a super common theme in Asian households, okay. particularly. The doctor okay. path. The, the doctor okay. path, right? And so I'm a first generation college. Like, neither one of my parents went to college. Okay. Mm. You know, I don't even know my dad finished high school, right? And gotcha. so mm-hmm. for me, I was like, damn, like, y'all ain't even, get, like, if I get to college, that's, right, right, that's right. a big thing, right, you know? But it. for them, I was like, no, my mom was like, you're going to be a doctor. And okay. so, you know, I got I got stellar grades, and when I started my freshman year of college, I was doing pre med. I was okay. taking bio, chem, okay. all these labs. I hated O-chem. the shit. Did you do okay? God damn. That that was a turning point. Ooh, let right? me tell you. That, yo, that was absolutely the turning point. So my Look, sophomore year, <laughs> my sophomore year, I'm taking O chem, mm-hmm. eight o'clock class, auditorium Always. with hundreds of kids, and my guy was in the class with me like every morning. We waking up when the class is over, and I'm like, yo, what are we doing here, dog? He was like. Know. I don't know. Like you're in pre-med. Why, you got to be here. And I was like, I'm not doing this shit no more. Mm. You know, like that O-Chem did it for me. Right. Yeah. It, that, I feel like that class is a turning Man, point. That That's that was it. my turning point. So I was yes. like, all right, I got to figure out how I'm going to break my mama's heart and okay. tell her I'm not going to be a doctor. <laughs> you know, so once I got. Squander the, all her dreams. Exactly. Exactly. So once I got the courage, Damn. you know, it was like, all right, my mom not going to be a doctor. Her mm. first question was like, okay, so what are you going to do instead? You're in college. I was like, I think I'm going to be a lawyer. Okay. She was like, oh. That's prestigious. I like that. Okay, yeah. you'll be a lawyer instead. Cool. Okay. Man, I ain't gave it two seconds of a thought. I had no idea I was going to be a lawyer. Yeah. Okay. I just said, you just I'm going to be a lawyer. And I don't know if I put that in the universe or manifested that or what. You know, so then now I'm about to graduate from undergrad. Mom was like, oh, so now law school, right? Because you're going to be a lawyer. I love that. And I was like, like no, fuck. I'm not ready for that. I was <laughs> like, no, nah, bro. I was just playing. <laughs> I was like, uh, no. So when we talk about, you know, I moved to California. I was like, you know what? I, I graduated from the U of M. 
all of my peers are still here. Mm -hmm. Like if I stay in Minnesota, I'm gonna do the same shit I've been doing for the last four years in college. Okay. okay. So I was like, I you know that. what? I'm gonna go out to California on my own. I'm gonna go to, to, to grad school full time. I'm gonna work full time because it's expensive as shit out there. Yes. Yes. Fuck. That, well, you know? That's what they say too. And I so know. I went out there and I was like, look, between kicking it full time, school full time, working full time, I was able to manage my life and you know and everything. So I was like, you know what? And in my cohort, you know, there's a, a lawyer and she was like, yo, you should really look into law school for real. I, like, I know your story, okay. you know, but she was like, you should just take the LSAT. If you get into law school, you might as well go. So wait, what'd you go to grad school for? Criminal justice. Shut mm. the front yep. door. Yep. So, okay. and that's the thing. So when I, when I decided not to do pre-med, I changed my major to sociology, gotcha. law, criminology, and deviance. Okay. And it was because it was a personal interest of mine. Gotcha. Right. You yeah. know, I just like to understand what's going on in society and, you know, all the, the mm. bullshit that comes with that. And so I was like, personal interest. I don't got to take math. I don't got to do Look, labs. Look, let me tell you, Sign I'm a psych up. grad here, so I get sick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's really, you know, how okay. it happened. And so I, I, while I was doing my master's thesis, I took the LSAT. Got good enough scores to get in. Got a couple of scholarships. So while I wanted to stay in California, you know, I had to, to take the free money and come back it. here. Man, you don't have to go deep into it, but what no, was your thesis right. about? Uh, my thesis, oh man, that was so long ago. It, it had to do with why in families, right? If you have a brother or sister, let's say y'all two are related. Mm -hmm. Okay. We are totally cousins, by the same way. Same peer group, mm -hmm. same parents, okay. yep. same exposure to society. Why is it so common within sibling groups for one person to be the straight A student, mm. stellar grades, Ooh. on they shit, yes, no problems, and then the other one is takes a totally man, different path, criminal, yes, yo, banging. Oh oh, let, let me Just, say that though. Yeah. Ooh, I love that, Chris. And it's it always seems like it's the younger child because they're more spoiled. They get the well, what is your thesis Cause, show? Because I, you know, I, what, and so, I might be, I might completely wrong, but well, I, I, I see baby sister what I see know. though is always, it's always that younger kid. Because that's you. Baby you're the younger kid. Yeah. You're problematic. I am problematic. Your older brother's also no, problematic, <laughs> but whatever. So it was inconclusive because there's just so many external factors okay. that, that came sense. into play. Yep. That you know, makes sense. Um, but I mean, that, that type of shit, you know, yep. it's, it's interesting to see. It is, right? Yeah. It is interesting. No, man, how long did it take? That. Man, that, I mean, that's, that's just wild. Like when I hear people, oh, I got to do this thesis or I'm doing a, a dissertation and it's like the amount of time and man, I knocked it out and quick. stuff that goes into that shit. Man, I did my entire master's program in 18 months and it was a, a two year program. And I was like, my uh, my professor who wrote my letter of recommendation for law school, he was like, Chris should have taught the class. He was done with his thesis before oh, like anybody even got shit. started. I was yes. like, and that's because I I wanted to kick it. Like, I, I mean, <laughs> Chris, other shit to do. Look, I was living in I California. About these damn Listen, books. man, I'm like, we taking trips to Mexico and right. Vegas is right here. I'm <laughs> having fun. Right. I, you know, I was like, oh, you want to go, you know, to Seattle to play in a basketball? Yep. Like, sign me Look, up. Let's go. Hoop. Like, said, I was just I living life. Go, you know, so I was like, let me just knock this out. I'm man, knocked it out and, you know, I love went that. from there. Okay. You so, are amazing. I just cannot. Yeah, that's Thank dope. You. Appreciate mm -hmm. that. Man, so this might be on a kind of a more touchier subject but like in your opinion like what do you think is like the biggest obstacle or disconnect between the black community and the asian community as far as like you know strengthening that because you grew up in north minneapolis right which exactly. is historically black right it is okay. so i mean man from my all of my peers were black growing up okay you know um and you know so my ex-wife is, is african-american okay my, my kids are, are black and asian mm -hmm. You know, and it, it was such an interesting dynamic that I never even thought about until more, more recently. Gotcha. You know, and even within my own family, um, they wanted me to date my own. Okay. 
Right, you know, it was like so your own like I guess for our Asians listeners, or pro- Asians, probably Vietnamese. So. Like, I was just gonna okay. say that because I know in it. That's what I, I was feel like. There's, too, it's like, always like, well, if you're Vietnamese or if you're Cambodian, you need Vietnamese to find or another you know, exactly, Cambodian. Exactly. Like, yeah. We're not doing that. So that's what I was right. wondering. And, okay. and specifically, like black people are out. Like, yeah, mm. we're not dating black folks. You yep. know, and so you know, for me, I, I don't know if like I even knew what I was doing when I was in high school. But everybody I dated always been black or biracial or you know. Something yeah, other than Asian. I've probably dated I one Asian in my, t- in my entire life, right? You know, so it's kind of <laughs> like, you know, I was rebellious. You know, mm-hmm. I went against the grain. Like, I think part of my family disowned me at one point. Mm. Gotcha, shit. You know, wow. like, my, my family Like, when you California, married your wife? Yeah. Okay, damn. They They were like, uh, you do that, we're not fucking with you. Shit. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. And I was like, That's sad, right. man. Sad as fuck. You know, but, but, the, but the, it's super sad. But the good thing is, though, like, when you take those bold steps and go against the grain that's how you facilitate change, mm-hmm. right? And so by doing that, I'm cool with my family now. And shit, one of, my young, my, like one of my young cousins just, you know, had a baby with a black man. And mm. okay. it was her parents who were a part of that. I mean, gotcha. you know, so it's kind of like, listen, I'm going to do what I'm going to do, mm-hmm. you know, and I believe in what I believe in. I mean, love is love, so it. fuck it, you know? Yeah. Um, so it was, it was like disheartening to see more recently where, you know, I don't want anybody to get hurt. But when Asians were getting hurt, you know, there were some people saying like, well, where the fuck were they when Black Lives Matter? You people know, do, and vice versa. People saying that, yeah. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. and to me, none of that matters. You it's know, that, it's like... It sounds like it's that um, tit for tat. Right. Like, instead of just being there for people. Right. Exactly. That's that's exactly right. Like, I mean, we're we're the human race. That's, yes. that's, that's all it should be. And I feel like it, it exposes... Because I, I said it, I've said it plenty of times. Like family isn't always blood, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then so it lets you know, like, all right, I see who you really are. You know what I'm saying? Right. And then you can rock with the, you know, family that's just like, man, I'm gonna let Chris be Chris. I'm gonna let Chartel be Chartel. I'm gonna let right. Ferris be Ferris. You know what I mean? That's right. exactly right. It's like you know, the relationships that we develop isn't based on our ethnicity and our. It's it's based exactly. on the culture that we're comfortable with. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right. So I grew up in North Minneapolis around. All black folks, and so no surprise, you know that's you what North? I'm attracted to. I didn't. I went to De La Salle High School. Oh shit! You know, oh. so that was another like. That's a good school, right? Yeah. School. You, you, you on the island? You on the island? Yeah. yeah, I got I got a full scholarship. Good for uh, you. You know to go to De La Salle. Otherwise, my mom wouldn't have been able to afford it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it was. Because uh, you're gonna be a doctor. That's exactly right. <laughs> so she thought. Yeah, so, right. Yeah. I love that shit. I think it's so important to like name that right, like. Family isn't always blood. Color doesn't always matter in the sense of support, I think, mm-hmm. right? Like, I can love you and support you for your values, right? You don't mm-hmm. have Absolutely. to, you know, what they, what do they say? All skin folk ain't kin folk. That's right. I'm about saying about Kamala, but I'm just saying all skin folk ain't <laughs> oh, kin folk, whatever, but I'm just saying. So. <laughs> That's exactly right. Yes. You and know, if you like, if we like to do the same shit. Why we can't we, kick it together? Man, like, it don't I'm matter like, who it is. Why we can't just skin color is? Why we can't just kick it? That's exactly, exactly right. You know, yes. like, and that's, man, it's. That inclusivity, that's that's mm-hmm. what it's about. I remember when um, Toby Keith's was a thing. That's when I, like, around the time I first moved here, actually. Oh, that shit was kind of fire. It that was, was fire. In, uh, West I, went, End. I went the last weekend before they closed. and That's how you met. Never mind. <laughs> and so um, went, and <laughs> it was bomb AF. And I like country music, right? Like I don't like that, Me like, too. real, like, bluegrass, like, tang, tang. Like, yeah, you know, yeah like, twangy you know shit. I mean? Wrong, yeah. like, that, that so the country, ears. like, with but, Nelly like, involved? Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> like, I was literally about to say Florida Georgia line, so yeah. yeah. So I like that. I like Sam Hunt. Although Sam Hunt be playing. Um, some, some Morgan, body, Morgan Whaley. Whatever. No, don't, don't talk about him. He, I like that song. Man, too. we didn't even bring that man up. I know. Anyway, Morgan Whaley be playing. But I like the, that kind of country. So I went to Toby Keats, and of course, a bunch of white people. But like, we all get to have fun because we were there yeah. for like one thing, right? So I, right. you know, it wasn't, it wasn't like, 
what are you doing here? Or that whatever, was that whatever. commonality. Yeah, it was like we all like country music. We chilling. We dance. It's, right. and we all like to drink, right? So why can't we all be here? Why can't and we that's, be together? Um, that's the vibe I enjoy, right? Like we all here, so. Well, yeah. we can't be together. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, I think sometimes people think that things have to be mutually exclusive, exactly. right? And it doesn't like, yes, I'm a lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yes, I'm a professional. But I like to listen to ratchet shit. Yes, right. I like to be, like, I turn mean, up I like to have, and have fun. fun. Have fun. Like, <laughs> and I want to be I man, life like, who is, I am. Man, I'm life to is too motherfucking you. serious. It to is. You have but, to get that break. But but it, yes. it was a process because I'll tell you, like, the very first day when I was a full-time attorney, I'm in my office. And like, I need music to get in the groove, right? When okay. I'm working, like I when I'm studying that. music, whatever. What's your groove song? I mean, at that time, it was like Lil Wayne, Drake, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I'm in my office and I'm like, let me go close this door. Because right. so I'm, you know, these so people probably like, the fuck kind of noise is <laughs> right. coming out this man's office? So I closed my door <laughs> every day for the first you? week. Gotcha. You know? And then like, one of my, my mentors came and was like, yo, like, you got to open your door. Like, we have, you know, open door policy. I was like, man, they don't want to hear it. I mean, I'm just trying not to disturb or disturb right, right, right. Yes. You know, so I felt like I couldn't be my authentic self. Yep. You know, starting in this Because it's an all white firm or mostly white firm? I mean, every firm is mostly like, exactly, exactly. national. Yeah. Yep. You know, so it wasn't until like I was like five years in where okay. I'm like, you Damn. know what? I've demonstrated that I'm not the token diverse attorney, right? Yep. I- I'm here because I'm talented. Exactly. I'm competent. I'm a good, I'm a good, good fucking lawyer. Yep. Yep. So once I started winning some cases, winning some arguments, I was like, okay, now I'm comfortable. Now I get to be me. Exactly. So then like I started to lax a lot of like, man, the firm at now, my floor, like there's people when I started there always wearing suits. Mm-hmm. I literally will be like much more casual and, you know, have these conversations like, why do I need, unless I'm going to court where why I got to put on a suit, suit. why am and, I going to be and, in a suit every day? And you know, you kind of answered the question because I was literally yes. going to ask you this question about, see, you're you're of Asian descent. Yep. We're black. And we got a code switch in America. I stopped in corporate code America, right? It's exhausting. Right. I it, doing it. No, no, it is. But what I'm saying is like, did you feel like you had to code switch and conform oh. to corporate America? Absolutely. But you, you just answered the question. Yeah, I think you know what I'm yeah. the sociological term is a double consciousness, right? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of like you're living two lives. Like I remember, again, when I was at my first firm. Double um, consciousness. Double consciousness. Okay. Yeah, so right, sit down. My, my ex-wife would call and I'd answer the phone. And she was like, is this corporate Chris or is this Chris? <laughs> and she was like, I don't know who the hell yes. just answered this phone. Right. You don't sound like you at all. <laughs> you know? And so then after a while, I was like, let me close this door <laughs> while I get a personal call. Yeah. They don't want to be like, what is this riffraff that's Look. coming out this office? Right, right, you know? right, right. And, and, you know, so yeah, I, no. I had to play that role. But that's the thing. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's unfortunate, but that's the reality we live in. And until you, you know, develop and you, you know, are confident and you can demonstrate, look, my work product speaks for itself, exactly. regardless of how I dress for sure. or where I hang out. Yep. Man, Anything so, else? I'm sure a lot of people are like, oh, man, affirmative action got this motherfucker in here. You know what I mean? Like people, no, man, people you know be what? having them side the ass comments. Do they really do say that. And you know what? I'm not, that is how I got in there. So when I was in law school, there was a, a minority clerkship program. Mm. And it was like uh, for first year law students and they only accepted um, diverse students into the program. Okay. Mm. Right. And so there was like, you know, a few hundred applicants. I was one of 25 selected. Mm-hmm. So Damn. I got into this program, all diverse law students. And so that first summer when I was done, I got a job offer. Like, there you go. they're like, you come back next summer and you have a job when you're done. No mm-hmm. questions asked. Right. Done. So when I went back to law school and they were doing on-campus interviews and like, you know, employers were coming in talking to law students, I was on the side with the law firm. Yeah. And these, these kids was like, how the hell you get over there? Why are you over there? And I'm yes. like, I got a job. They're like, 
Oh, mm. that's the that's that minority program. Yes. That's unfair. Like I didn't even have an opportunity. Like, see, motherfucker, and a, what? And right. what a, a lot of people don't understand is like, quote unquote. I mean, it's not quote unquote, but affirmative action is like, yeah, they look at people of color or those type of uh, minority candidates, right? But they're still looking at the top, the cream of the crop. Right. Like their so grades are just as very qualified. Exactly. Joe yeah. off the street right. getting his law firm Right, it's job. like, like dude, look fuck? at my shit. Like my yeah. grades, my bar, right. all that, you know what I mean? I just so had that like point. an extra opportunity to bring me closer to what you are presented with every day. Because right. truth be told, we got a bunch of white folks in, in these jobs that shouldn't be there and aren't qualified, right? Yep. But that are doing it strictly for like because people think they know what they're doing because of their skin color. Right. So all or nep or nepotism. Or so. nepotism. So yeah. Yeah. So all this is is let me give you just extra exposure, right? Yeah. And I think people think it's to level yeah, the playing field. It's the level this the playing field. This is what I you know, this is what I told these law students back then. I was like, look, me and you about to take a race. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a starting line right here. You right at it. I'm 40 feet behind you. Exactly. We're not even starting at we the We ain't line. even starting at the right. same spot. Exactly. Like, We're not even man. starting there. Yeah. You know, and, and that's that's the sad reality of it. It is. And, so, and that's still yeah. going, like, I still deal with that right. as a legal professional. Damn. In you know? your career, being In a partner, career. like, All of that. You know, it's it. like, you know, the thing with the practice of law, it's entrepreneurial, right? So everybody's mm -hmm. like, hey, we encourage you to do things how you want to do it. Now, if we are going to change and improve, you have to undo Literally decades and decades of things, how things have been. Yeah. Right. Obviously, it worked, you know, from a financial standpoint. The firm is successful. You're doing well. Mm -hmm. But if you want to, you know, get more diversity in here, you you're gonna have to you have to do things differently. And and that's that cultural, you know, change is is hard, right? Mm -hmm. Because mm -hmm. like, if I'm an old white lawyer and I have a case and I get along with John mm -hmm. and we like to go hunting yes. and fishing and golfing, none of which I do, by the way. <laughs> It's easy for me to connect with John on the weekend because we're going to exactly. do that. We'll talk shopping. We're already doing it. He's going to yep. inherently become my protege. Yep. And then you have Chris who likes to hoop and go to hip hop concerts. Listening to trap music. The hell is we going to talk about? Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, you know, that, and that's what I, I learned at the hardware. Like there was like a standing happy hour every Friday at my old firm and I was never invited to it. You until, had to be invited wow. to it. Listen, there was an email that went out. Uh -huh. And like, so one of my white counterparts who graduated from high school or from law school when I did, he was like, hey, are you going downstairs for happy? And I was like, what happy? He's like, what do you mean? We've been doing this for like two years. I was like, what? No, I was never invited I was to like, shit. He's like, aren't you on the email? I was like, no. Shut the fuck Damn, up. Damn, man, they left you ah! the email too? Bro. You didn't even get the email. Bro, I showed up, up and I was like, oh, I see why I wasn't invited. Oh, you know exactly, and, exactly. And, that's the thing, and, and that happens like they're like, there's a, a ice fishing trip with like partners and associates. Oh yeah, you can leave me out of that shit. <laughs> but the, you're right, because I, I don't want to be in it. But the point is, like, inclusion is right. the invite. Can I get you're allowed email, to come. Though? I might not want to go, but at least give me the say. opportunity right. to say no. Exactly. You know, right. it's like, I shouldn't find out about this, you know, by my colleagues. Exactly. Like, and that's what ends up happening. So, like. Mm. Did you go, though? Did I didn't ever, ever I never got invited. You never got invited. Oh, so you, man, I would have been that motherfucker. I would have just rolled in that shit. No, no, man. But I mean, I did rock the boat because I was like, this is fucked up, you know, and I'm outspoken, you know, like things don't change unless you speak about it. You know, you got to be bold and be outspoken, you know, but I learned so much because like, you know, talking to my white counterpart, you know, he was like, you know, we talked like that was my guy. And if he got bad or, you know, if he did, did something, you know, on a work product that was bad, it never went into his review because they would talk about that shit on ice fishing trip. That, or wow. and that was kind of like, so, the you know, it was like, okay. so they were inherently like training him, teaching him, mentoring him to succeed, you know, just naturally Off because the books. they just hanging out. Yep. Whereas sure. me, it was like, oh, you fucked up. Oh, you fucked. 
man, write this. He because there's no other avenue to like put, talk put about. that in that file. Yes, right. But that's I mean that's that actual thing though. Like there was a, a Harvard study in which they had like a report by a black person and a white person. Mm-hmm. They were the exact same thing, yeah. like identical, but one with a black name on it, one with a white name on it, and they had they su- they submitted it right mm-hmm. to to be man. The person who, you know, the black name, bloody the paper. Yes. All kinds of criticisms and terrible. Mm. Other person, not so perfectly much. fine. And everything wow. was identical. It's that happens identical. in schools a lot too in the mental health Man. community. Like, um, it's crazy. Black, uh, they've done the same kind of, but like mental health wise. So white kiddo, black kiddo, literal same symptoms and stuff. White kiddo gets ADHD diagnosis. Black kiddo gets emotional behavior disorder, which EBD, yeah. which doesn't get any support like mm. anywhere. Yep. And wow. so yeah, same thing. So it happens in schools too, even with our young kiddos. So yeah, no, it absolutely mm-hmm. does, and that's you know that's often a result of like systems being how they are. For sure. You know, we we talk about systemic racism, institutional yes. racism. I mean, mm-hmm. there's histories and histories of things being a certain way. Man, you got to unwind a lot of shit and unpack a lot of things. It's gonna take a long time. But For real. Definitely yeah. happening. I mean, but I feel like our our like right now millennials, Gen Zs, like I feel like this shit is actually moving. Yeah. I feel like the generation under us are going to like change the world. Yeah. They call out their racist uncles. Yeah. They fucking they, up school I teachers. Mean, they, ha- they say, <laughs> we not doing no, this shit no more. At this point, you have no choice, though. <laughs> I mean, it's literally, like, right. They've got all these like gender like, pronouns. Everything is in your face. And they say, y'all ain't going to yep. treat us like crap no more. We ain't but had it. Yeah, we've been moving so at a snail pace forward. for 400 yeah. years. But I mean, I, it's, like to your point, I think we're getting starting to get a little Ooh. bit of traction. Yes. We have to. We Long have. overdue, but I mean... Agreed. Some movement we, is better than no movement. Agreed. And then people will say, too, like the system is broken. And my perspective is it's not broken because it's operating exactly how they want yeah, it to Yeah, it was never, yeah, supposed to be that way. So, yeah, I agree. Um, gosh, just so much. I will ask for my question, especially knowing um, that you grew up in North. How do you connect with your Asian ancestry? Side. I mean, I is just a question. There's a big Mun community here. That huge, I know. huge, huge. It's like the second largest outside of. I don't know a lot about Minneapolis demographics, but I know there's a big Mun community. Huge, yes. Um, so it sounds like you have a sibling. So it's two of y'all. Yep. Got mom. They're still here. Like they still live in Twin yep, Cities. Yep. So in, in the Twin Cities. Yep. So okay. my sister is here, and my mom is here. So my mom okay. is. One of two from her family in the U.S. So oh, my okay. mom's entire side of the family is still in Vietnam. Gotcha. Like, oh, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow. So the okay. only real family I had was my dad's side of the family. And they're, they're all here. in California. Gotcha. Yep. So okay. they're there. So, I'm, you know, I'm cool with them now, but, you know, obviously don't see them as often. For sure. Um, so really, like, the only Asian folks I kick with are at Happy Hour. Really? The ones that come turn oh, up wow. with me. Like, Shut up. I'm dead serious. Okay. You know, so, so I – and a lot of them I met at Happy Hour. Gotcha. And now wow. it's kind of like – Yo, we we having a good time. Like you legit, know, so come yeah. out. You know, so yesterday one of my guys came. He was probably like my only Asian childhood friend. I know him my my whole life. Okay. And he came to Happy Hour yesterday. You know, right. and had a drink. And so it was like outside of those one offs, I really don't have much connection. Um, you know, to the to the Asian culture. Um, unfortunately, but you know, it is what it is. Man, <laughs> like this question kind of comes to mind because based off of yours, like what stereotype is out there about the Asian community that you like that's a good that one. you embrace where you're like fuck it I don't give a fuck I'm Asian yeah. I like it and then what's one that you're like nah I don't I don't I don't rock with that I don't you like know that. um a lot of them actually cut both ways right so there's this the small penis one is out there a lot that that's I'll out just there say it, yeah. yeah well I haven't had any complaints <laughs> I mean you know 
He's like, that don't apply to me. Three kids later, I heard that. um, You know, so that one is definitely out there. And then I think uh, the one that cuts both ways is uh, the model minority. Ooh, you know, so Asians yes. are thought of like the, the Pat, minority because passive, the smart as shit, like oh, the yeah. brainiacs, you know, that. Um, you contribute to society. Exactly. Like, right. So, I mean, it's it's good to be thought of as being smart, you know, but at the same time, you know, that that whole myth is, is false. Mm-hmm. You're good you at know? math. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yep. You know, that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the other thing, you know, is uh, I think what you just said, you're submissive. You're mm-hmm. reserved, shy, and quiet. And that is mostly like a cultural thing, okay. depending on, you know, like I, like during this whole pandemic, I was watching this show. Um, shit, it was like oh, a doctor by Bruce, Bruce Lee. It's like, oh. what was that? Oh, be like, uh, isn't it be like water? No, nah, it, not not, it was like it was like adopted based on his life, but it was pretty much the setting was like in the 1800s when all the Chinese were coming to San Francisco to build the railroad. Of okay. course, yeah, right. And so it was kind of like how Second they were class treated, citizens. right? Yeah. You know, the exclusion act was like, yo, they were. I mean, they were shitted on, mm-hmm. you know. And that was like the first time I ever learned about any of that, like mm-hmm. through watching Man. this show. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. Like this is how they're treated. And so like white person, like they're looking down. They're you know just like it was you know to see that you yeah. know. Um, and you said you watched I'm, it during the pandemic? I, I watched okay. it, yep. And I'm nothing like that. Like, mm-hmm. I am very outgoing, extrovert. That's north side. You know? Yep. <laughs> you know, but that's, but that's exactly my point. You know, so yeah. it's like your your environment is what, you know, develops you, right? Mm-hmm. So your circumstances are the, 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 the building box of your character. Mm-hmm. What you go through, what you're exposed to, what you're around. Yep. You know, if I'm in a, a family setting where it's like everybody's like, that I'm gonna be like that for sure, you know. But that wasn't because that's just your man. I'm telling you, both of y'all and listeners, watch Bruce Lee's "Be Like Water." What is that? I've heard about man, that. I haven't seen it, man. So Bruce Lee, he was constantly fighting racism. Like they were always trying to typecast him as just like, oh, you're gonna be a kung fu guy, da da da. And he was yeah, like, dude, yeah. I'm trying to be an actor too, though. Gotcha. Like, and then just so an actor in this so, way. So he's talking about the racism that was in Hollywood then mm-hmm. for him being an Asian actor, and then he was just also addressing black. Hispanic, Asian uh, racism that was in the community that he was in. Yeah. And so it's, it's dope as fuck, man. So like two Because I didn't know he was that woke. I really didn't. Yeah, I mean, yeah, well, what we see him in, right? Exactly. I've seen him in um, Rush Hours and stuff. So you two things. Jackie Chan, fool. Oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> Bruce, Bruce, Lee died, Bruce, Lee died, Bruce Lee died in like uh I am so 70s. embarrassed. He's like a 70s. Then I'll keep whatever I was going to say to myself. <laughs> oh, no, you're good. okay, that's okay. So Bruce Lee, like water, everyone watch. Ferris knows what's up. Yes. Um. Okay. Do you have time for one que- more one more question? Uh yeah. Okay. Uh. This yeah. is related to your kiddos. Yep. So black and Asian. How do you help them connect? Like. Oh, I guess I should say, do they identify that way, black and Asian? Because I've heard yeah. that some, so I'm fully black. So I've heard that some um, biracial like kiddos will identify more with one than the other. I have a um, a previous um, supervisor who said her kiddos, I think, only identify as black. And she's mm. the like white parent, so that makes her feel some kind of way, right? Because yeah. they're both. Um, so I'm curious as to how your kiddos identify and how you help them connect all parts yeah. and especially the Vietnamese part because that's how you identify. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, my kids identify with both, mm-hmm. you know, and that's a testament to, you know, the awesome co-parenting you know, between me and their mom. Right. Mm-hmm. So whole other conversation. Like, you know, I love that. You asked my kids, you know, it was like your favorite food is pho, which yeah. is Vietnamese cuisine, oh, which my mom so makes. Yes. 
you know, so their grandma makes that. And then, you know, and chicken wings. Okay. The mom like makes their best but wait, chicken wings ever. What kind of like chicken wings they like? What they what what's their flavor? Dry they rub, like? like just lemon pepper. They like they lemon pepper. Lemon okay. Pe- yeah. They exactly. Black. That's I what I'm it. saying. You know, so it's like, <laughs> you know, they get it from both sides, like mm-hmm. from from their mom and her extended family, That's and good. then and then my family. And they go to Chinese immersion school. Nice. So they okay. like, they know Mandarin full time, right? Awesome. So they they are Do you speak Mandarin? No. Okay. They probably be talking all kinds of shit. I don't even know what they're talking about. You know, but yeah, so they're they're very, you know, much exposed awesome. to the asian culture through both school good you know and they're really close with my mom mm. and my sister and that side of the family okay. as well as you know the, their mom's side of the family you know yeah. like so you know they're happy they get it from all sides they understand it i mean That's you know awesome. so real slowly so real quick uh Chartel, what has you exhausted because i'm <gasps> running up on time life I, okay oh what does have me exhausted um i think i feel like you fares this weekend maybe not a lot oh you know what has me exhausted home buying yes exhausted but it's a good exhausted because you know the end goal i mean that's yes. an investment in yourself right and i'm like you know if i see homes on the market that i like but then they're gone then i'm like oh man they say covid God, right now is the best like if you're a seller yeah you're killing oh it you're gonna God. make yes. so much over these, over profit these, like bitches are playing out here telling some got a whole home like valued at like 150 i'm gonna charge 300,000 you better play pay closing costs all this shit you ain't about to get me i i ain't right. desperate for a home i'll wait now, for the so. next crash let, let me tell you right. i ain't desperate oh, for coming. a home now it's coming. Shoot. Yeah, and that's bro. like kind of what my realtor said she's like we don't we're not like in a rush you ain't about to get me there are people out here so my friends will say like oh how much did you offer over did you waive the inspection fuck that shit like i'm not doing all that <laughs> like i'm i'm gonna stay within my budget i'm gonna get my inspections and if that house flies off the market god said it wasn't for me anyway that's so right. so yes home buying has me exhausted and that's me what about you mr fine uh you know i would say this whole pandemic Ugh. has been exhausting yes. man like uh, the zoom fatigue is legit it's real mm. you know the work from home yep. and having to be a part-time teacher because my kids were learning from <laughs> home you like this ain't my guy technology like, energy like, 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 like i go to school to be no damn teacher this ain't on my like, resume like, like damn like, i gotta like, be a teacher we all look, we all teaching long division to third grade this oh is not God. i didn't sign up for this and then it's you like know? you haven't did it in so long and, you're like damn and like do i know they this teach that shit crazy so like when i was doing in like um um treatment for like kiddos in schools i'm like no what are you doing you borrow from the house next door and you do all this they got dots and shit man going they, they, their whole way circles. of learning is so different Fuck now, that man. Shit. I, was like, like, I don't know what your teacher teaching you but let me teach you the right way i had to email the teacher was like i need you to send me a video clip of how y'all do this long division, like, the way y'all teach you dry erase board i'm like i need to see this because i don't know what they're talking about seriously we all back in school that's yeah. just funny it's like yeah. yes to the pandemic you man, exhausted no, this week Paris? Yeah. because last week you said you weren't yeah I, I really wasn't like it was it was be exhausted. That was just good. But uh, I think the only thing that has me <laughs> exhausted right now, honestly, is this whole, uh, I mean, I'm glad the mask mandate is softening. I'm sleeping off that like, shit. But, the, like the restrictions. But man, people are really coming, like they're like, are you vaccinated? Da, 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 da. And it's like, dude, well, one, Look, whether I am I or not, like that's HIPAA. Like you can't, right. you can't, right. you can't right. exactly. You can't be on me about that shit. You know, I get so, it. So I think that honestly is just exhausting as fuck. But Hey, shit! The summer's here. It's gorgeous out. There's not really a lot of shit. To What's be your hashtag right. for the summer? Uh, side niggas. <laughs> uh, All day. Uh, uh, 
That, that's yes. it. Yes, mine is hot girl summer, but okay. yes. Right. Look, how's there? How are you? How is there a hot girl summer when everybody tired about ten? Right, because we just now opening Man. up. Man, super like, exhausted. Look. I gotta like, I gotta like, um, do it in increments. Like I gotta inch my way Man. towards like Facts. staying out later. Because I think two weeks ago when I was at Exchange, I clo- I feel like I closed the club down. And I looked around. I was like, oh my gosh. Then this week I left at like it's like like eleven thirty. So I gotta like well, I, I, inch I, my way up. Like I'm part time at a bar now, so I, you know what I mean. We close at two, and then I ain't out to like four. Yeah. So now I'm like, man. granted, I'm not drinking though, but right. I'm out in that life. That and, makes a huge difference. Like you know, man. I was out of town the last two weeks, and that still got me exhausted Did it? to this yes. point. Like you know, last weekend in Vegas, out till five a.m. on Friday. See. Week before that, Miami, out till five. Like the sun is coming up. And I'm like, I'm not built for this no more. I am not built for this no more. I'm Ferris a lot older than me, so I'd be like, (laughs) I'd be just trying to like live. I'm like, oh, was that a creek I heard? So so Chris, real quick, where where can everyone find you at? Yes. Uh y'all definitely can find me on Instagram. Um, Chris underscore FOM, P-H-A-M underscore E-S-Q. I'm also on LinkedIn, uh, by my name, Chris Fom. Same thing on Facebook. Um, and other than that, you can find me uh, at the Exchange every Friday night mm-hmm. uh, for R&B and Chill, downtown Minneapolis, 5th and Hennepin, 8 p.m. to 2 a.m. Um, and actually tonight, we're throwing a party tonight at Hyde Yes. Um, for Memorial uh, Memorial Day weekend. The Red, White, and Denim party is tonight, uh, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. Yes. So okay. come check us out. You know, and you all throw parties once a month at Hyde, right? You know, there's been talk about going back to weekly, so we'll see. Okay. You know, when we talk about being exhausted, yes. man, that, that was that exhausted. exhausted. We, yeah, because then you, you know would have saying? exchange. <laughs> Entrepreneurship. And Fridays and Saturdays, yes. yep. And then, Look. like, I mean, the parenting thing. Yes. <laughs> man. We're going to keep y'all updated on all Elevate Our Network, where they are and how often they are out partying, because they parties be lit AF. Yes. Like. So, so follow my man, Chris. Please. Follow us. You know where to follow us. We've yes. been saying it for the last five episodes yes. it should be on the screen somewhere yes. around here we'll do it at chopping it up <laughs> on instagram c-h-o-p-p-n it official you'll get our tags and yeah like subscribe we're on pandora now yeah we're on pandora so now that's a partnership yeah that's what's so, up so we thank got you. it official yeah yes. so thank you for tuning in please episode motherfucking six yeah yeah thanks Can- y'all for having me man always this was, this was fun. always Appreciate we'll it, have brother. you again Absolutely. Take care. see y'all next week guys 